a seven-year career with NBC Sports Northwest, and an Emmy Award later, she's just getting started telling stories as a successful journalist and sports reporter. After moving to Dallas, Texas back in January, she now covers the Cowboys and Mavericks for Sports Illustrated. In this interview, you're going to learn how to persevere in a tough job market and how to take bold risk on yourselves in order to stand out from the crowd. I'm Brad Dalius, and this is the fourth episode of the Schold Media Group podcast, where we're proud to present Brie Amaranthus. So earlier this year, you made the move to Dallas, and I know it's been kind of crazy here over the last couple of months with juggling work and juggling what's been going on here with the health crisis with COVID-19. So just right off the bat, I'm curious to kind of get your take on what the last couple months have been like for you and also what you think the current state of things are at as far as the sports broadcasting journalism, the industry itself, where you think things are at right now, how you're feeling about the current state of things, and where you see things kind of progressing out here over the next couple months or so. Hey, yeah. So it has been a whirlwind of a 2020. I'm sure I'm not the only one who feels that way. (laughs) But I started 2020 on January 1st by covering the Rose Bowl for NBC Sports Northwest. And it was awesome. I had been with NBC Sports Northwest for seven years. And it was my last game that I covered with them. I, you know, grew up in Oregon. I had covered University of Oregon for the last three seasons, as well as the NBA, the Trailblazers, the Oregon State Beavers. So it was a great way to go out. I mean, especially that game was just so exciting. Um, And for the Ducks to get the win at the end, it just felt like such a great culmination, a great way to start the year. And then uh, my fiance and I had made the decision to move to Dallas, Texas, uh, in part for just the love of sport down here. And, you know, in part for a big adventure. Uh, We had both been in Oregon for a while and were really ready for a different challenge and a new challenge. And we came down to Dallas. And in Oregon, it's tough when you go to a sports bar. Sometimes they don't even have the sound on. And you're like, okay, hey, is the game on? They're like, oh, sorry, we don't get that channel. But here in Dallas, you're hard-pressed to find uh, even a restaurant that doesn't have the game on. And we fell in love with that. And, you know, it's a bigger market. And I was super excited to, um, you know, for the opportunity to work with Sports Illustrated. So we made the move down, got off to a quick start. Uh, You know, I was covering Mavs games, getting my feet wet at American Airlines Center, had covered a couple Cowboys events, uh, Jason Witten press conference. I had met Des Bryant and, um, you know, it was, I felt like we were finally getting off to a real good start and then COVID-19 hit. And I'm sure, you know, nobody saw that coming. And now I'm doing interviews out of my living room, um, which is fine with, you know, the Skype setup that everybody else has got going on too. So, you know, it's been an interesting uh, move, I would say, but we're lucky in the fact that we had at least a month to get settled before coronavirus hit. So, you know, we had established a few friends, we had established, you know, what restaurants are good around us and those sorts of things. And, you know, I had gotten a job, my fiance already had a job. So it was, it was all, you know, we're, we're lucky in a way. 
I'm surprised that Oregon, not as big of a sports town in the sense of, like you said, they didn't have the audio on and like the sports bars, things like that. I know Dallas is big. I've heard that. I've never been to Dallas, um, but I know it's a big sports town, obviously a big football state in Texas. But Oregon, that kind of surprises me a little bit. I guess I know obviously you went to school there and and such. I should say Portland. Uh, Eugene, Oregon is such a college town. That's where University of Oregon is. So in Eugene, Oregon, there's tons of pride around the school and around the college, but in Portland, um, you know, there's just so much to do outdoors that I think sports get a little bit lost. I would say the fans aren't as rabid as you see in other markets. They still love their sports and don't get me wrong. Like I would hate to hate on any Portlanders who are sports people, but you just find a lot more of it down here in Dallas. The thing that I've been surprised about in Dallas is it's not just the Cowboys. Um, We went to a couple of the Stars games at American Airlines Center, and the hockey fans are maybe the most impressive fan base I have seen. (laughs) Really? Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Texas is unreal. They say everything's bigger down there, and uh, sports obviously fall into that category. You've talked about kind of working from home here like everyone else has had to do as of late. Mm -hmm. What has that been like? Because we see a lot of people, obviously, on Instagram and social media, they have their setup with their light fixated at the top of their laptop, let's say, and then they have, you know, I have their microphone and and their laptop and just everything kind of set up maybe in a particular room or wherever it may be, wherever it's best for them. What's that been like for you? Has that been easier (laughs) at times? Has it been challenging? What's it been like? Yeah, it's so funny. I love seeing all those videos because we're all doing the exact same thing. Um, I've been lucky because Sports Illustrated had sent me a lot of good equipment. So I have a nice light. I have a good microphone and a backdrop. And I set it up in my kitchen and we have a really nice view of the city behind us. So it's a cool shot. The funny thing that I've had to deal with is I have a cat and a dog. (laughs) And the cat is usually pretty quiet, but for some reason... Every once in a while, he'll just start meowing. And same with the dog, he'll start barking. So I'm like, I don't really know (laughs) what to do with them because I don't want a random meow or bark in the background of my shot. So unfortunately, during some interviews, they get tucked away in the bathroom, uh, which they are not fans of. But it's better than having a little video bomb of a meower. No doubt. Yeah, that's got to be one of the the biggest things. It's like, it's so many different things that people never thought of, right? From just when they're used to going to the office, let's say, or going to work, covering a game. They don't have to worry about those different things like that. And it's it's really amazing how we think about so many different things now, uh, maybe than ever, because we're forced to to be at home or to be isolated in an area that we're not used to. So it's all part of change here in 2020 and a lot of different things. And I think the sports broadcasting journalism, the industry itself is always kind of changing as well. And do you see maybe this, when you work from home here during this period of isolation, do you see that becoming more of the norm where maybe not on a full-time basis, but maybe on somewhat of a part-time basis that people in the industry will do live hits from their house, from their place? Now, do you see that maybe being more worked into the regular rotation of things and maybe what would have been the case in the past? Yeah, well, I feel like I had a little bit of a leg up on everybody who had never worked from home before because as a, you know, as a journalist the last eight years, I've worked from home quite a bit. I'd say half of my time has been spent, 
you know, writing articles from home. Would I do, you know, interviews from my living room via Skype? No, because I would rather just be with the subject because you can get so much more from a face-to-face interaction. Um, But because of that, I know how to balance my time throughout the day. I know how to set aside distractions when you're working from home. You know, I've learned a tough lesson that you got to change out of the sweatpants in the morning and into something else. Otherwise, (laughs) you might end up taking a nap at 1 p.m. But I do know, you know, I can see how if you don't have to leave and if it's not safe to leave, you shouldn't leave. I also think it's going to be interesting to see when sports start back up how they're going to limit media, how many people they're going to allow at these um, games and practices. The last Mavericks game I went to, they had the media, I think it was like 10 feet back from the podium. And it was, you know, a strange dynamic. But then at the same time, you're like, well, if it's safe, why wouldn't we do it? It's better than nothing. Um, So I could see how, you know, I think the journalism world is able to adapt which is great. I think it's shown that time and time again. And so I I do think that now that people are starting to get used to working from home, there's not going to be a reason to just go to the office to go to the office. But I don't think you can just replace face-to-face interviews. There's just something about it. When we do eventually get back to sports in person, uh, it, it seems like it's been forever since we've seen a game. But when we do get back to it eventually, from your perspective, Bree, as a reporter, as someone who's covering a game, let's say, What's something that maybe pre-coronavirus that it was something that needed to be um, maybe more attention paid to as far as safety measures or things like that in regards to, you know, we see a lot in the past that we've seen it at Super Bowls, let's say, for example, where a lot of different members of the media are just crowding players on the field right after the game. And obviously, that's something that comes to mind right away here. And in, in post-coronavirus, we can't have that. We need to have more of a separation. Is there anything that has stood out to you as a reporter where you're at the stadium, at the field, and you know maybe your health and safety kind of came up as you know, just maybe somewhat of an afterthought in the past, um, but now, obviously, it's something that would maybe be more in the forefront in the future. Oh, man, the first thing that popped in my brain, I don't even want to say it out loud because it's my favorite thing in the world, but I do think it's a danger, and I think it's going to have to change. But I used to, you know, for the media, they have the media food, and, um, you know, you have kind of like a buffet. You've got your coffee and your soda and your popcorn, and I am a huge popcorn lover, but it's just kind of like this big tub of popcorn and you got people, everybody just kind of putting their hands all over. And I remember after when the NBA postponed, it was the day after I had covered that Mavericks game. And I had had a little bit of the popcorn that was just kind of for everybody. And I was sitting there thinking, Oh my gosh, who knows how many germs were on that. If somebody hadn't washed their hands, if somebody accidentally coughed around it, Um, So I've actually already had this thought and I've decided that I'm going to have to give up communal popcorn, which is very (laughs) sad for me because I just, I am a popcorn fanatic. I love it. Yeah. It's just so many different things, right? And it's so unprecedented what we're going through. I mean, it's a once in a lifetime type of occurrence here. Hopefully, we hope, obviously. I want to go back for a second and talk about your experiences in Oregon um, prior to moving to Dallas. You did work for NBC Sports Northwest, and I know you went to Oregon as well. If you could talk about your transition, Bree, at the beginning of your career, 
when you were able to basically move on from after graduation, landing that first role? Because I think that's something, you know, as, as we go into a, a difficult job market and especially people in this field, trying to find different opportunities, it's always been challenging and you've always had to kind of set yourself apart from the competition. But if you could kind of talk about your experience in the past and, and how maybe that can relate to people who are trying to find their initial job in the industry going forward here. Yeah. Yeah. The class of 2020, they are very, they're one of a kind, aren't they? I mean, to miss commencement, to finish all of your senior classes online. I can't imagine how strange that must be, but I do think that's going to make them a stronger class in the long run. And they have a huge opportunity um, as well. And I think this is one of the biggest questions I get is, you know, how did you get into the industry? Because, you know, all it takes is a foot in. Um, so I did graduate from University of Oregon, but I started my college. Um, I played softball, at D1 softball at University of San Diego. I ended up transferring to University of Oregon because of the journalism school. It's a great journalism program that they have there. And when I was there, I was on Twitter and they, you know, I had one social media class and they went over all the importances of getting on Twitter, making sure you're using the right hashtags. I mean, this was however many years ago, hashtags were kind of new. So I was hashtagging go ducks as much as possible and making sure I was staying on top of what was going on, not only at my school, but at the university and around the state. And the journalism school had tweeted that NBC Sports Northwest was hosting kind of an open forum Q&A. They were coming down from Portland and they were going to you know, answer any questions you had. So I figured, you know, I'm not doing anything on Tuesday night. I should just go and listen and see, you know, who these people are and what's going on there. And so it was great for them. I learned a lot just about, you know, how important internships are. And they were offering a summer internship. I was going to be out of town for the summer. And so I kind of got my wheels turning and I was thinking, man, you know, it would be great. That would be a fall internship and actually cover, you know, the football season and get into the industry and get into the field. And so I stayed, there's probably 40 students there and I stayed afterwards and I shook hands with the guy who was presenting, who turned into my manager for seven years later. <laughs> um, so I shook hands with him. I introduced myself. I told him my idea and he said, you know what, that's actually a really great idea. Why don't you email me? And I emailed him. And we jumped on a phone call. He asked about my schedule and he gave me the internship. Well, I was interning for a woman who ended up having a switch of career mid football season. And so they were going to hire a part-time person to fill her role. And I called my manager who had given me the internship and said, Hey, I know this is crazy because I'm still a student. I was a junior in college at the time. You know, I'm still a student, but I think you should give me a chance. I already know, you know, your system. I know how you guys like things. Um, you know, I'd love to interview for this part-time role. I'll send my resume. I'll send my cover letter. And he was like, I love this initiative. You're hired. Um, and so wow. I started part-time. I worked part-time um, my junior year. And then senior year, halfway through, I actually got hired and promoted to full-time. And I, you know, I think why those promotions happened was I was so dedicated. Um, I would go above and beyond. And not only that, but I think as a young person, you have a lot of creativity 
that is appreciated. And I think you have to be confident enough to make sure that your creativity is listened to. Think things through before you pitch them, but pitch your ideas. The worst thing that's going to happen is that they're going to say, okay, this missed the mark a little bit. Why don't you think about something else? And so I, you know, I just kept pitching ideas and some of them were total winners. Some of them ended up being our, you know, most viewed video of the year. Um, and so because of that, I went from part-time to full-time. I worked in Eugene for another year before I was like, you know what, I, I really want to make the move to Portland. And I sat down again with my manager and let him know that I was going to start looking for jobs in Portland. And he's like, hold on a second <laughs> and was able to get my role moved to Portland. Um, and so, you know, they were, they just treated me so well and I worked my butt off for them as well. So it was a really, it was a good uh, mix. And I think the biggest piece of advice that I can tell young people who are trying to get in the industry now is intern you learn so much more from being in the field. You're going to, you know, it's going to be tough at times and you're going to be uncomfortable, but you have to just go shake the hands of people, introduce yourself. People are like willing to help you. You have to just be willing to put yourself out there. And so that would be my biggest piece of advice. It definitely worked out well for me. And it's actually kind of how I got my job as Sports Illustrated as well. <laughs> What's your advice, Bree, for people who are a little bit more on the shy side and need a push to get going? Yeah. Um, well, I've always just been self-starter, so it's hard for me to put myself in the shoes of you know somebody who might not be as extroverted as I am. But I do have a couple friends who are more on the shy side, and I think the thing is there is just do baby steps, you know connections don't have to be shaking 10 people's hands and introducing yourself. It could start with just making one connection at a media event or, you know, asking somebody how their day is. Um, it can go a really long way. I mean, niceness is really underrated. I can't tell you the amount of times that I have been kind to somebody not thinking, oh, this is going to help me later. And then it's actually ended up helping me later. People don't forget when you're kind to them. So I think that even if you're shy, I mean, you can still be kind. I think that would be my biggest piece of advice for that. Yeah, it's always keeping the same mentality, right? Regardless if it's a good day or a bad day, because we all know we're going to have those peaks and valleys throughout our life, throughout our careers. But you always have to continue to, to bring the same type of kindness, as you like to put it, and just bring the same type of positive attitude, I think, going forward, right? And is that something that was, you talk about being a, a self-driven individual, is that something that came from your family? I know you come from a tight-knit group growing up. Um, yeah, I would say so. I mean, I grew up in a small town, and um, I think that gave me a little bit of a unique perspective. I've always loved sports, and I just love how sports brings people together. I saw my entire community come out to cheer on our high school football team every Friday night. And you, you really don't um, lose that memory. Like that sticks with you. So I think, you know, I, I learned that how important sports are for communities at a very young age. <clears throat> and then I just think, you know, when you're, when you're growing up, you'll go through things that you, you'll look back on and you can be proud of, or you could be maybe not so proud of. And I think we're in one of those times right now where how we react to coronavirus, how we react to self-isolation and challenges that are being posed to not only our industry, but our world right now, we're going to look back on someday. And so I keep reminding myself because right now it is pretty tough to stay 
optimistic and positive. I mean, we have literally no games or practices on. <laughs> like, it is so boring. So without that, you have to just keep in mind and keep the perspective that when you look back on this someday, are you going to be proud of the actions that you have been doing? Are you going to be proud of the way that you were able to overcome some of the hardships that have been brought? Um, and so I think within having a small knit community and growing up there and uh, my family is just amazing. Um, I haven't been able to see them. So they're out in Oregon and I'm in Texas, so I haven't been able to see them for a while. Um, I think it's just important to keep all of those things in perspective and when in doubt, I mean, you just got to be kind because you really don't know how big of an impact it's going to have, not only on the other people, but on yourself, especially when you look back on it someday. Do you have a favorite sport? Ooh, to play or to watch? How about to play and then covering today? Okay, to play. Hmm. Well, currently I've been playing a lot of Papa Shot. <laughs> um, but my favorite sport to play is probably softball, although it's pretty tough to just like go pick up a game. But I love being a part of like softball leagues. So fun. You a pitcher? Um, and my no, I was an outfielder. I assume the love for softball started when you were younger and uh, before you transferred to Oregon when you were in San Diego. Yeah, I was a part of a travel ball team my whole life. Um, and I played outfield. We won two state titles for uh, Grants Pass High School. So we're pretty darn good. Nine of us got D1 scholarships, which is obviously the main goal. And so, yeah, it was great. I mean, I loved softball. My favorite thing for sure is diving catches. I was a right fielder, so... My biggest goal was always to throw out the person at first base. <laughs> um, I, I loved hitting, too. I miss hitting probably the most. So, yeah, softball is definitely my favorite to play. I would say to cover. I haven't undergone a season with the Cowboys yet, so that's going to skew my perspective, I'm sure, if you ask me this time next year. Um, but I will say at this point, I really do love covering NBA. I love covering the playoffs. You know, I think NBA players can be such divas, which is so fun from a journalism perspective because there's always something going on. There's always some sort of drama and you never really know who's going to get hot. So, yeah, I really I love covering the NBA. It's probably my favorite at this point. Who's been the most dramatic player or coach that you've covered so far? Oh, gosh. Hmm. Who's been the most dramatic player or coach? Well, I've covered a few playoff series between the Golden State Warriors and the Portland Trailblazers. Draymond Green is pretty much a diva, I would say. Um, but I would say the hardest personality came early in my career. And maybe that was just because I was still a little nervous. But my first coach I ever covered was Chip Kelly at University of Oregon. And he definitely loved having a good time with media. If you ask a question just a little bit off than what you should have, he would jump all over you. He loved being able to give kind of the snarky answers. I think most of it was in good fun. But as a young reporter, it was intimidating for sure. He seems like a guy who is very much so, he, he can be funny, behind the scenes and obviously is usually very serious, very straight faced. 
Um, maybe similar to like a like a Greg Popovich in a sense, maybe or you know people players yeah. say that Bill Belichick apparently is very funny behind the scenes. He, he can kind of be a funny character. So Chip to me has always kind of seemed like he's fit into that category a little bit there. So it, it's funny to hear that he's got a little bit of a personality at Oregon. Yeah. When you were working for NBC Northwest up there, and you were the Oregon insider, correct? Yeah. To me, it's fascinating covering college. I come from a family where we went to a lot of lot of football games, college football games, growing up. But what was it like covering players? And you know, obviously, you had a chance, I'm sure, to see Justin Herbert up close and personal. You talked about covering him at the Rose Bowl back in January. What was it like to cover some of the players um, on the football team and kind of seeing that camaraderie with the college squad? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, college football is one of a kind. Um, It's huge in Oregon, as you can imagine. And I've been around from, gosh, I mean, I remember I grew up during the Joey Harrington era during University of Oregon. So um, I've seen a lot. Justin Herbert is one of the most dramatic changes I had seen as far as maturity wise. Um, I can remember him as a freshman, so timid. And after his first loss, um, you know, shedding some tears and, you know, it's tough as a media member because we we were sitting there in the press conference and you just, you feel for him. I mean, he's an 18 year old kid who lost his first game in playing for the school that he grew up loving. Sure. Just a wave of disappointment. And it was so sad. And then to see him be able to overcome some of those challenges. And I, I honestly, all of the things that you hear about how, oh, he's a bad leader and he's not mature, uh, don't believe it. I mean, I, I know Herbert very well. And the amount of maturing that went from freshman year to sophomore year to junior year to then even senior year is insane. And he's got the respect of his teammates. And he is one of the hardest workers and he isn't as quiet as everybody says he is. I mean, he, he'll give his players a hard time. He's, you know, joking around and laughing. And just because he didn't have social media, it was tough for people to really feel a connection to him. Um, And he's also brilliant. I mean, he's going to be a doctor someday. And so it almost feels like, Oh, he's a nerd or um, I don't know, maybe he doesn't get along with everybody, but he does. So that was always really fun to cover. The other great thing that I loved covering at Oregon was the basketball team. Um, I was a part of the season where Oregon went to the final four and man, they went on this epic run. I was for the month of March, I stayed at my own house for two nights. That was it. I was on the road the rest of the month of March. And mind you, they were really only supposed to make it to maybe the round of 32, maybe the Sweet 16, but they weren't going to get past Kansas in the Sweet 16. So for them to end up in the Final Four playing against UNC, it was crazy. Um, it was a whirlwind, and that was so fun. Um, I covered, you know, that was the year of Jordan Bell and Dylan Brooks. And Dylan Brooks is one of the most toughest competitors I've I've ever covered. He has this fire. I mean, you do not want to make him mad because he can take it out on you on the court. Um, and so that was great. I mean, the March Madness is, in my opinion, one of the greatest things that sports has to offer. I still can't believe that we missed out on it this year. It seems um, like a bad but, dream. Right? I'm like, what the heck? I, uh, I, I can't wait for next year already. And I, I feel so bad for everybody else that, you know, missed out the athletes and the coaches and, 
It does. It feels like a bad dream. <laughs> Do you enjoy during normal times uh, when we can actually travel and move about on a, you know, in a safe way? Do you like the traveling aspect of the job in the industry, being able to go from city to city, or are you more of a, a home buddy? There's different times of the year that I, um, I kind of have, I live my life based on, you know, seasons. So from September through December, really August through September, or August through December, my life revolved around college football. And so, you know, finding time to do anything on the weekends besides sports was pretty tough. Um, with that said, I, I was lucky to be able to go to every single Pac-12 stadium and see every single Pac-12 school. I mean, th- those are memories that I'm going to cherish forever. You know, I've been to Las Vegas so many times for NBA Summer League, for the Las Vegas Bowl, um, you name it. I've covered it there. And it's just, you know, I actually, I, I love it. It's a grind. Don't get me wrong. It's not like you're just going on vacation. You're you're having to pack, you know, four on-camera outfits. You stay up late every night editing or writing or interviewing or whatever it is. But it is so fun. And to be able to reflect on those times now, since <laughs> things are so slow, I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm so glad that I made all of those trips and did all of those trips. But because it can be so crazy, I think it is important, you know, like like the athletes do, that reporters take a little bit of an off season um, and go relax. You know, have a summer, spend time with your family, with your friends, um, with your loved ones, because otherwise you can just become a slave to the job. So I think it's important that people realize their own balance, whatever it may be. For me, it was you know. Okay, grind, 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 um, take a little break in January, grind through basketball season, and then take a little break in summer. I have this conversation with people a lot in general when we're talking about jobs and, and sports media and such. And there seems to be this notion out there that if you haven't accomplished X or Y by a certain age, that you failed or you haven't made it in a sense because people can obviously see other people's highlights, if you will, of their life and of their career all the time on social media and such. And a lot of times people just need to, like you talked about there before, take inventory, I think, of of where they're at and and their life and not really kind of judge people because everyone's unique in in that sense. Those are the conversations I've, I've had with others. I'm curious to get your take on how you kind of approach that from the standpoint of, you know, coming up for air sometimes after you've put in a lot of work and, and you've accomplished things in a sense. It may not be marquee glitz and glamour, um, but it's stuff that matters and it pushes you in the direction of getting to maybe a certain goal that you're looking to attain. What are your thoughts on that and kind of just making sure that you kind of brace for the marathon here and you're not worrying too much about the sprint? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's harder than it's easier to tell people, okay, you got to get a breath of air or, Hey, you know, you accomplished X, like you should be proud of that. I think it's a lot harder to actually do it. I won an Emmy with NBC sports Northwest. And I do not think that I really hit me until two years later. (laughs) Like I was like, it would, it was a little trophy that just sat in my desk for two years until I realized, Oh yeah, this thing is kind of cool. I guess like, I'm glad that we won this. Um, that's so gotta think, be so surreal. You know, yeah. I mean, it, it, it is exactly, I guess surreal is the word because you work hard on every project. So it's, you know, some to get recognized and some, you know, don't, and that's okay. But 
I do think that when it comes to balance, it's all a personal thing. Like you got to know your own, you only, you only live one life. So you got to know what's going to work for you. And if the grind of the sports media world doesn't work for you, like that's okay. You just got to go find something that does. What is something about sports you'd like to see changed or uh, maybe altered going forward in the future? Something that you've thought to yourself, if you've watched games in the past, if you've covered games in person, you think to yourself, hmm, you know what? If they changed this or that, it would be better for everyone. <laughs> Funny. Um, I was just debating. Um, I just wrote an article on DallasBasketball.com. I interviewed uh, JJ Barea about the possibility of NBA players getting mic'd up during games since fans won't be there and the fan experience will be, you know, changed so much, just viewing it from home. I asked his opinion on miking up NBA players during games, which of course is a dangerous thing, but also would be so highly entertaining. And he agreed it was a good idea. So I think, you know, I think there's a way since everything is kind of restarting, there is a way that we can kind of change things going forward and, you know, maybe the viewing experience at home gets improved because of that. Who is someone you'd like to work with, uh, collaborate with in some way, shape or form that you haven't worked with yet to this point? I would love to interview Jerry Jones. And I think that is something that we are working on. (laughs) So that is one of my main goals. And I can't wait. Is there a particular player that you've interviewed, let's say, in the past and they have opened up to you, maybe he or she, and it was a little bit surprising in the sense of um, how much they opened up to you? Uh, Has there anyone been like that? Anyone you've come across that, let's say their persona, their public image is different than maybe who they are behind the scenes? I had a very good interview last fall with Oregon's backup quarterback, Tyler Shuck. He was gracious to sit down one-on-one with me about his mother, who is a breast cancer survivor. And she was diagnosed when he was young and she was given a few months to live. And just the story of how he and his family persevered through that and his mom, Dana, who is just incredible, who I also interviewed I think that was one of the most powerful interviews I, you know, I have ever experienced because I walked in hoping that they would open up to me and then the amount that they were able to share and paint the picture of what they went through and who they are then and now was so powerful. Honestly, just thinking about it makes me emotional because they're such good people, and that really shines through, and I'm so happy that we were able to tell that story. When people think of you and your work, what do you want their biggest takeaway to be? I think the thing I strive for, besides being accurate, is being personable. I think when you can connect not only to your interviewees or your audience on a personal level, I think there's just such a greater connection in a, the communication channels open when people feel connected to you. And just because, you know, if I'm in front of the camera or behind the camera or writing an article or not, doesn't mean that I'm not, you know, just a normal person. So I think that it's important that people realize that we're not just talking heads, like we're people who are personable, have our own life experiences to share and add. um, And just other people, we're just people who love sports, just like everybody else. (laughs) 
Do you have a favorite emoji? A favorite emoji would probably be, since I moved to Dallas, I've been using the one that has the stars in the eyes a lot. Um, but I like the one of the girl giving her, like, slapping her head, like, oh, I should have known better. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of us are, are doing that uh, today in one way or another um, with everything yep. that's going on. But no, awesome stuff, Bree. I think, uh, you know, it really speaks volumes to the different people you've interacted with, obviously, over the years and how you persevere through a lot of different circumstances. And I think it's uh, it's very inspiring in itself. So my last question for you is, where do you want to be long term for you in the industry, five, 10 years? What is somewhat of your you know five year plan or so? I mean, if, if you have one, what you're looking where you're looking to be at um, at this point, is it and let me also kind of add to that. Is it more so, are you always trying to get somewhere in general in this industry or is it more so enjoying where you're at along the way because you don't know where things are going to go? Yeah, I think early in my career, I spent so much of my time trying to get somewhere and now I feel so happy with where I am that I'm able to enjoy it so much more. So when it comes to a five-year plan, I would say I don't have one. (laughs) I want to tell all the stories. I want to tell all the stories in the best way that I can. And, you know, I think where that will lead will, will lead different places. I have total open book when it comes to my future. I don't want to like limit myself. I don't, I mean, of course I have goals, but I definitely feel like not putting pressure on my career at this point is only going to help me. I think the best thing that anybody can do when they look at their long-term goal is to make the connections and with good people as much as you can, because the people that are in your life are going to be long-term what makes your life. So if you can collect good people along the way, then that's a good thing. This has been the fourth episode of the Shold Media Group podcast where we spotlight the lives and careers of some of the hardest working broadcasters and journalists in the world of sports. You can subscribe to Shold Media Group on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you gave us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. I'm your host, Brad Dalius. Special thanks to Bria Amaranthus for this interview and Taylor Shold of the Shold Media Group. This podcast was created by Dalius Media Productions. Keep living the dream.